The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, April 30th. I've clearly lost track of time. Uh, we are heading into May. The draft is behind us, but there's still plenty to unpack from it, including fantasy analysis. So we're going to have Jamie Eisenberg on to talk about the best landing spots for various players. But as a reminder, before you... Uh, get too far into to listening and thinking about your fantasy teams. Download, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. If you have a fantasy question, like a dynasty draft question, a rookie draft question, uh, whatever it is, you want us to answer it, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will make sure and get it answered. Might even drag uh, one of the fantasy experts on to to do so. And uh, while you're at it, go ahead and recommend the podcast to a friend. And then you're texting with your friends, your your you slide up in the DMs, you know, you're not, you're not seeing anybody, but you're talking to people constantly. Throw, throw us a bone and uh, tell them, tell them to go check out the Pick Six podcast. It's gonna be a fun off season of content. Now to talk fantasy, the one, the only, Jamie Eisenberg. What's up, buddy? I'm sending a text message of your beautiful hair to our friends. <laughs> um, I think we've talked. I, I talk about it fairly regularly on this podcast, but um, we are on a. It is the weirdest text thread of all time. It's you, me, Pete Briscoe, and Nick Costas. And it is like, I mean, it's, it's hard to even explain what happens on this thread, but it's just like, like you, it's just like a 24 seven assault on various individuals for various things. Uh, there will be much said about my hair. I'm sure. Did you, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, on yesterday's episode, Pete was on and he, we did 15 minutes on Pete giving Debo dating advice. Oh my God. <laughs> Pete was like, the, the end result is we want to do like some kind of show where Debo takes dates to Cheesecake Factory and then Pete sits in the, in the, in the seat next to him and he, <laughs> and he like grades how Debo is doing. Oh, I feel bad for your date, Debo. <laughs> um, all right. First off, Joe Burrow. He is the, I believe, the favorite to be rookie of the year. He was obviously the number one overall pick. And I would assume that you're excited for his fantasy outlook, right? I am. Uh, you know, it's a weird offseason, clearly, you know, so we don't know exactly what the work he's going to get, you know, even including training camp. So it's, it's such a unique situation because you have 
the best receiver is coming back from a year layoff. You have, uh, you know, some, some moving parts with what's going to be with John Ross and T. Higgins and how they're going to factor in. And Green and, and Burrow specifically have to work with Zach Taylor for the first time. Mm. So, um, but I think Burrow clearly showed us in college he could play and, and play at a high level. And, um, you know, they're essentially getting two first round picks on this offense because of Jonah Williams. So I like the setup for the Bengals. I think they're going to be in a good situation to put up points. Um, I'm not going to draft Burrow as a number one quarterback, but he's just outside that range for me. So once I get past 11, because I think there are 11 pretty solid fantasy quarterbacks where it gets to Rodgers and Stafford, um, I think Goff, Mayfield, and Burrow are all kind of similar um, in terms of what their upside could be if everything works out well. Burrow's in that in that tier of guys that you either, if you miss on quarterbacks or people in your league start taking two, you should be okay with him as a starter, but I'd rather get him as one of the high-end number twos. Uh, worth noting, too, I think that – and this is this is the case with a lot of young quarterbacks, and I, I don't think he'll be asked to do a bunch of RPO stuff or anything. But, I mean, in you know, in his two years at, uh, at LSU, he had uh, 399 rushing yards and 368 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns in those two years. He can years. move, yeah. I mean, like, I think that, I just think there's, like, if you're looking at, if you're looking, I think, I, I agree with you completely. I, Burrow is a, is a wide, is a, is a QB2 that you take as a late round backup, although he, he might end up being getting pushed up a little bit. I, I, just, I think there's some upside there, but, but the offseason certainly worries me. Uh, I was talking to, uh, a friend of mine who had a Joe Burrow fantasy question. Since we're talking about him, might as well get a, get a sneak this one in there. Um, this is actually, uh, a big, uh, he said, I listen to, I listen to your boys in the fantasy pod all the time. Ask them a question for me. He's in a super flex, a big super flex league and has picks one, one. So the first pick in the rookie draft, one, four and one, five. Nice. His quarterbacks currently are, uh, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. So the question is, should he pass on Burrow at 1-1 and go running back there or take Burrow and stock up on the quarterbacks? It's a tough one. Well, I'll tell you, I'm in the start of a slow rookie-only draft right now um, that Burrow went at 1-4 behind Edward Solaire, Jonathan Taylor, and CeeDee Lamb. And actually somebody traded a huge haul to trade into the fourth spot to get Burrow. It's the same format, Super Flex League. Uh I would be if I were I would take Hilaire at one one, um, Edwards Hilaire at one one, and I would be shopping like crazy the four and five to see if you can get a huge haul for Burrow because you don't need him, and um, you could probably get some pretty good veterans and and maybe some draft pick compensation as well. Like part of the package that this guy got back in return to get the one four or to uh, for the one four was. Um, uh, Terry McLaurin, Jared Goff, the 1.8 this year and a first round pick next year. Now that's a clear overpay yeah. for, for that, but that's the type of stuff that you're looking to, to unload if somebody's really wanting to buy Burrow. And, and the other thing you could do too is take, I agree with you. I think I would take Edward Tolera at 1-1. I think you're looking at, um, so when we talk about Brian Westbrook and LaShawn McCoy, who are the two running backs that Andy Reid has invested the most in, in his, you know, in, in the course of his coaching career, I mean, those guys got five outstanding seasons, bare minimum. It was only five for McCoy. It was four for McCoy, excuse me, because Andy Reid got fired. But, like, the production that he – when he invested in a running back like that, you are going to see that running back featured in that system uh, well, take, and for a long time. 
take the third guy too, Kareem Hunt. I mean, he turned him into the rushing champion as a rookie sure. in 2017. You know, sure. so um, he he's gonna get his hands on. You know, and I think a lot of people look at it and 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 you can recall our our, our famous text chain. Um, you know, when when the move first happened, I said to you, I was like, oh, I was frustrated with a lot of these guys and where they landed. And your first response was, Edward Slayer is going to be a superstar. And I was like, yeah, just I wonder how long it's going to take before Damian Williams is out of the way. And the more I started thinking about it, like they tried to replace Damian Williams last year, you know, by, by the trade to get LaShawn McCoy. And so it's yeah. not replace him, but at least, you know, give him some competition. You know, Damian Williams is a good player. He's, he's produced the last two years and he should have been the Super Bowl MVP, but he's really just a guy. And Edward Slayer is a special talent. And uh, I keep moving him up. That was, uh, um, you know, something that uh, right now he's, he's seventh for me in PPR, and I, I can wow. I, 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 I'm going to have a hard time dropping. He is uh, six to one at William Hill to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Burrow is 11, uh, 11 to four. So I hate that math, but you get the you know, <laughs> yes. Like I like I would take Edwards Hilaire at six to one in a heartbeat. Jonathan Taylor twelve to one. Rugs, C.D. Lamb uh, fourteen to one. Jerry Judy sixteen to one. Uh, Herbert twenty to one. Yeah. Uh, two uh eight to one. What's Rager? Rager is twenty two to one. That all sounds uh, out. That could be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other quarterbacks. Are you messing with them at all? In I mean, I guess in dynasty, you're clearly you know you're willing to take him as you get maybe with the second or third round to a second round Herbert third. I think it goes back to like your 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 friend's uh, format. Superflex, he's two and, and Herbert are probably first round picks. Uh, two actually went at uh, one five in this draft I'm in now. So he went ahead of Swift, ahead of Judy, wow. ahead of Dobbins, ahead of Akers. Um, I think if you're in one quarterback dynasty rookie only drafts, then those guys are second round picks. So um, uh, I, I'll give you a spoiler um, for our dynasty yeah. league. Are y'all? Um, our YOLO league. Uh, I pick 14th of our 14 teams because I won the league last year. Humble brag. <laughs> and um, I traded a bunch of players, or I made two two trades to have two additional second round picks. Okay. So I have four picks in the first uh, 28, and my quarterback situation is old and older, um, <laughs> and and crappy and crappier. Um, so I have Tannehill and Matthew Stafford as my two starters. They're both in their early 30s, but you know we know that Stafford's brittle, and who knows how long Tannehill will be the starter there. Uh, one of those four picks will probably be a quarterback. You're in a sweet spot to take one of the quarterbacks, whether it's two. Like, you know you're going to get enough production out of Tannehill and Stafford for 2020. Yeah. Or you feel, you feel confident in it, but, like, you can go. So, like, you could even take Herbert, knowing that you're not going to have to play him this year. But if he does play this year and he looks good, that's a bonus, even though. Right. You know, I, I, you know when you're talking about rookie-only drafts and dynasty leagues, when you're, we're taking these guys, you know, you're, you're talking about 20-plus round rosters. You know, 20 yeah. plus man rosters. So you have the flexibility to carry. Like right now, I'm carrying Stafford, Tannehill, Tyrod, and Jameis. So, you know. Oh, uh, oh so know. the Jameis thing backfired on you too. Well, not last year. <laughs> you know? right, 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 right. I mean, you get the point. Like, yeah, like that's how you yeah. won was with Jameis. But then, like, Jameis not being able to find a job at all is, I mean, that's a fine group of quarterbacks. I, uh, it's certainly fine. But, um, you know, you'd want to get somebody that you can say, okay, this is my future. Like, I drafted. Trubisky in 2017, later than Watson and, and Mahomes, I will say. Uh, but I drafted Trubisky um, in our rookie-only draft, and uh, you know that was the guy. I thought, okay, three, four years from now, maybe he's my he's my guy. I will say this about Jameis on that team last year: I benched him for one week. I, I mean, I was going, you know, Jameis was going through his little struggles, whatever, in the middle of the season when he had a couple down games, and I benched him for Case Keenum, who was playing the Dolphins, I believe, 
and had a terrible game. My only loss. Had I played Jameis, the point differential, I would have won. Wait, is that your only loss of the year? You My only loss of the year. A really dominant team. Well, I have McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, and Tyree Kill. So I have three first-round picks in the redraft league. It's it's pretty hard to get past that count. Yeah, uh, I think I have – well, a, a good example, too, of the quarterback thing. Like, I have Baker Mayfield and Phillip Rivers, and I was like, oh, I'm set. Uh, and then it turns out, you know, Baker has this bad – you know, I think like, I think Baker will bounce back in 2020 to a degree. But, I mean, it, it's a reminder that, like, you're not – even in a single quarterback dynasty league, you're not necessarily set. You should be thinking right. about like, like Lamar Jackson went late in the in the rookie drafts. Like you could have gotten a steal and yeah. him at a at a cheap price. Well, especially when it's more than twelve teams. You know, I mean fourteen teams is no joke, you know, especially when you're talking the, the quarterback position's deep, but when people are can't like uh our buddy Nick Costas, he can't trade one of these guys because it's hard to get fair value in return, but he's got Jared Goff, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray. And uh I mean, you know, we were on the sex chain, he said uh, I'll he offered it to both of us. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys had a private conversation, but I was like, okay, I'll give you a fourth round pick for Jared Goff. And his response was, there's nobody that you're getting in the fourth round that comes close to what Jared Goff is going to get. And he's a thousand percent right. right. But, but I'd I, rather. I'm also not trading a first or second round pick in this, in, or even a third in this, in this setup. You know, you know, with like, with the, like you're, if you have three fourth round, three second round picks, you're getting three good players. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, my team's in a, you know, again, I, I'll, I'll, you know, put, uh, pull the curtain back. Um, I'm trying to trade into the first four picks because my team is clearly built to win now, and the teams that are at the top are are, are struggling. You know, so I'm trying to just here, here's my here's four picks in the first 28. They're going to be great players, not a superstar like one of the guys you're getting up top, but you know if you want to rebuild and overhaul your roster, that's what you have to do. Um, and I'm trying to get a superstar, but yeah, I think in this draft there's uh, there's just so much talent. Um, and, and and your team is is a good telltale sign about how. Because a lot of people are gonna take running backs at the top. You have, um, you know, uh, two great running backs in, or, or at the time, you know, at this point a year ago, Todd Gurley and, and Saquon Barkley. And I think I remember we were talking something about trade, uh, and I, and you said no, I think I want to take my chances with Barkley and and, and Gurley. Mm-hmm. And look at where Gurley is now. You know, I mean, right. he's on his second team, and who knows where you know has his ceiling lies anymore. No, I mean it's it's crazy. Like at 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 one point. I mean, and during Barkley's rookie year, I was like, I mean, I have set at running back for the next five years. And like, like that, you know, Gurley is just this dead weight on this team. And right. there's nothing you can do to get rid of him. You just have to hope he has a, even if he has a bounce back season in Atlanta, he's, nobody's trading for it. It's Not like to the level of what his production will be, you know, and, and it's only going to get worse as he gets older because he's, it, it's shocking. He's only 25. You know, yeah. people probably think he's like 28, 29, but he's, he's 25 years old and, uh, you know, the window to sell him, because I have him in, in this league I keep referencing. I, I have him, and um, I did not win in this other league, but I was, you know, playoffs each of the last, uh, the thing that the league is three years, uh, each of the three years. Um, but I just can't get over the hump in the playoffs. And, and now Gurley, who is my best player, thankfully I have Miles Sanders and Austin Eckler as, as fallback options. But, um, yeah, I can't trade him for what he's what he's uh, should be getting in return. Uh, all right, let's talk rookie wide receivers and their fit. I think this was, um, I don't want to say it's not disappointing, but like the, what the hopes that we had for the three, the big three in CD Lamb, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs was that maybe like Jets. I guess we got two of the three, but it feels like the, the, the land of the Cowboys thing is just disappointing because yep. I, he, you know, if he lands at the Raiders, he might be the number one pick in, a, in, in rookie drafts, maybe two behind Clyde over to mm-hmm. But instead, I mean, like how high can you take? CD Lamb, given even though it's a, even though it's a great landing spot, and I like the pick by the Cowboys. There's so many star wide receivers there to go around. It just seems tough for for for, any, for anybody to draft him high. 
So uh, the draft is less than a week old, and I think I've I've changed Judy and Lamb and Lamb and Judy about 50 times already in my rankings. Um, I think that for 2020, Judy's in a better spot because he can easily be the number one guy in Denver. And I say easily, Cortland Sutton's a great player, but the pedigree is so different. You know, I mean, Sutton, um, you know, put up good numbers in 2019. Uh, didn't really have a great, you know, statistical performance with, you know, Drew Locke. So you kind of wipe that out and say that both guys are starting fresh because Locke only started five games. So I think Judy's going to be better right away. Now, if, as uh, I believe Jason Lacafora has reported and, and others, um, if Cooper is gone next year because the guaranteed money is not mm. so significant to what the contract is, if they s- decide to trade him or, or, or maybe release him, uh, there's probably more ramifications they release him. Um, and then Lamb becomes uh, uh, an absolute monster, and, and the same thing if they don't extend Gallup, who's entering his third season. So, you know, there, there is a path to greatness for Lamb, but it's a, a, a longer one. So, um, but we also have a situation in Dallas where there's 160 targets available. Jason Witten and Randall Cobb, that's about what they gave you last season. So mm. he's stepping into still a big role. Um, and talent matters. It's the same thing with Judy and Sutton. Uh, Gallup, I believe, was a third round pick. Lamb was a 17th overall pick. Yep. You know, so, you know, Lamb could step in and, you know, maybe not from the, the, the start of the year, but by the end of the year, he's the best or the second best receiver for the Cowboys. So I think both those guys are in good spots. Uh, Ruggs to the Raiders, like you said, he's, um, you know, it just doesn't feel like a good marriage between him and Derek Carr, just from what Carr likes to do. And, you know, he throws a, a, a an accurate ball down the field. He just doesn't do it very often. Um, and so will they change things or will it be Mariota at some point during the season? Um, the one that's the most intriguing and why I asked you about his, his rookie of the year potential is Rager because we kept saying the Eagles guy, the Eagles guy. And this wasn't the, the guy we thought would be the Eagles guy. We thought maybe it'd be Jefferson. Oh, especially uh, Justin, Jefferson was on the board. I mean, right. Like, right. Um, but, you know, you have a broken down and old Alshon Jeffrey. You have an old and broken down Deshaun Jackson. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside didn't exactly pan out, at least in one year. Uh, Greg Ward is uh, a converted quarterback. We know about that situation. And then the other rookies I don't think are going to be a huge factor. So he could be awesome from the get-go. I think it's going to take some time till he, you know, gets that lead role if Jeffrey's there. But, you know, that there's a lot to like about him too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Rager with – it is interesting though – like, what, what do you think of this Eagles offense? Because they drafted, uh, they drafted and or traded for four guys who all have four, uh, four, four, five or faster times out there, including Marquise Goodwin. And that you combine that with just John Hightower, uh, plus the, who's the guy that they grabbed late? Uh, John Hightower, the Quez Watkins. Yep. Yeah. I get, I get confused between him and the kid for Detroit, uh, Cephas. Yeah. It's also a cute name too. Uh, but like everyone, all these wide receivers that got Rager too are fast as hell. How, how do you foresee this offense operating for fantasy? Because it seems to me like they might deploy, like try and go to like put tight, put Ertz and, you know, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field, let them get open underneath and just try and like, like, you know, run these guys on deeper routes, let them crawl all around and let Wentz, you know, pick, pick people apart. Yeah. And Sanders and, and Scott are good pass catchers as well. So. Yeah. Um, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, that's, I think, where the problem lies is that if Rager's just running down the field, he's not going to be a number one type of guy like Judy Lamb could be. You know, you're, you're talking about guys that are going to command a different target share than what Rager will. And, and that's, I think, what it comes down to. Like Jeffrey, if it's Jeffrey and the Speedsters, sounds like a bad rock group, but um, <laughs> – 
Jeffrey is not going to be the burner downfield. And so he's going to get a different target share. But I think you're right. You know, with what you said, they're not taking Dallas Goddard off the field. He's too good. Earth is obviously still their best pass catcher. And, you know, so which of the guys is, is sort of left out? You know, is it going to be, we had a conversation on, on our fantasy football today podcast on Wednesday, um, about rookies getting targets. And, um, you know, I was, we were texting and, and, and you sort of did some good research that, um, since 2015, only four receivers in their rookie year had over 100 targets, or at least 100 targets. Um, I don't see a lot of the guys in this class getting there, and I certainly don't know if Rager will if if Jeffrey's there. So I think that's kind of where the problem is. So um, he's in he's in potentially the best spot. I just don't know if he's the best player for that spot. Okay. Uh, hmm. T. Higgins. What about him? 100 targets. <laughs> no, I don't think T. Higgins is getting 100 targets. I, I think, I mean, unless, you know, A.J. Green and uh, and Andy Dalton are traded to the Patriots, uh, which would be fun. <laughs> um, I think, you know, he he's, there. there's a few guys that I think you look for 2021, um, different positions that could be great. You know, two and Herbert at the quarterback spot, uh, J.K. Dobbins for sure at the running back position. And then Higgins, um, you know, if this offense looks like it could, you know, with Taylor, getting, you know, the Rams system, whatever his imprint on the Rams system is, um, with Joe Burrow looking like a superstar right from the get-go, uh, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and, you know, if they decide to bring back John Ross, because assuming A.J. Green is gone, that's a, that's a nice receiving core with Higgins probably the touchdown leader there, so, or, or in, 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 uh, in competition with Boyd. So I, I like him long-term. I just don't like him for this year. Uh, what about some of the uh, fringe guys? Uh, LaVishka Chenault? Who our pal Nick Costos said believes he's going to be great value in um, in rookie drafts. He told us that. I actually agree with him. I think Chenault's a beast, but he needs he needs to, he needs he does not need to go somewhere where he has to be uh, a focal point of the offense out of the gates. At least in NFL offense. Um, and then let's see, like Van Jefferson, I think is a nice fit for the Rams. He's a very good route runner. Denzel Mims could be the one with the with the Jets. Chase Claypool. Uh, they're talking about sliding JJ, uh, uh, Juju Smith Schuster into the slot. Love and let Claypool work outside, which is, would be huge for, uh, you know, for, for fantasy owners of Juju. Uh, Michael Pittman to the Colts, I think is a pretty good fit. The one I really love is Brandon Ayuk mm-hmm. to 49ers. Like that, he, he is like, like Debo Samuel. If you get Ayuk in space, he can just rip off some yards and nobody's better at getting wide receivers in space than Kyle Shanahan. No, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, the, the, the favorite ones for me are Chenault, Mims and, and Pittman. Um, I, I think what we're going to see, and Ayuk as well, you know, I think all those guys have, have great opportunities based on, you know, I, I think Mims could be the number one outside guy there. I think Jameson Crowder still leads them in targets and what they do with, you sure. know, Le'Veon and, and, and the return of Chris Herndon will sort of hurt the target share for there, but for him, but I think he's better than Perryman right now. You know, I, I don't look at what Perryman did at the end of the season and sort of say, okay, that's the guy because we, there's a bigger sample size of him struggling, but, uh, Chenault, could be right there with DJ Chark in terms of the target leader for the Jaguars. And they're going to probably throw a lot just based on how that defense is going to look being in a rebuild situation. Mims could be, you know, the one or the one a for the, for the jets. And I think we'll see a better jets offense. Uh, Pittman as you know, I think he jumps into the second spot for the Colts and Phillip rivers is probably going to use him. I would think similar to Mike Williams, you know, not necessarily yeah. a huge volume of, of catches, uh, but a downfield threat, a big physical guy who could, you know, be a, a red zone option for them. And, and certainly for him, uh, so I like all those guys. And, and like you said about Ayuk, he went into a situation where Debo Samuel put up good production last year, but it wasn't 
dominant receiver production. They used him as a rusher. They used him on, you know, jet sweeps and bubble screens and, and things like that. Ayuk is taking Sanders' role, Emmanuel Sanders' role, and, and may be able just to, to dominate with it. So those are the type of guys that you look for. And if you're not sold on taking uh, Judy or Lamb or Rager or Ruggs, uh, it, we did a draft this week where Rager was the first one drafted at the end of round seven. Uh, Lamb, Judy, and Ruggs went, I think Jefferson, uh, eight and, round eight and round so, nine. It's a redraft with a... This is a redraft league. Uh, Justin Jefferson went in round nine. And then there was like a three-round gap before Mims and and these other guys went. And then one of my favorite guys you can get with your last pick, uh, similar situation, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Um, he was one of my favorite guys going into this process, the receiver from Liberty. Also ended up in a good spot. You know, the Redskins receiving court is terrible. Um, you know, Steve Sims and Kelvin Harmon and um, Cody Latimer are essentially their, their guys competing for the, the two spot before the draft. Right. And now, now you add in Gandy-Golden, who... He's 6'4", 220. Um, he, uh, he has consecutive years of 70 catches, 1,000 yards, and, and 10 total touchdowns. He's not going to be dominant, but if he's the number two guy there and they don't have a tight end to speak of, you know, you could be talking about a guy that's in, in the 80 to 100 target range. Um, and, and I think he'll be a red zone threat. So these are just guys you take flyers on, and if they hit, they hit. If they don't, you, you cut them. But uh, there's a much less investment than these other guys who could struggle for targets in their respective offenses. No doubt about it. All right, uh, we're coming up, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about the good fits for running backs, the bad fits for the running backs, and uh, maybe we'll even mention Clyde Everett-Hilaire four or five more times. <laughs> the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Edwards Hilaire, who we talked about before uh, at the beginning, you know, sort of going over uh, the you know the top uh, options in, in Dynasty and rookie drafts. I mean, that's a slam dunk best fit possible right it's it's not even close not even close you know just uh everything just seems to be aligning perfectly for that situation and i, I mean like i said I, I'm, I'm just over the moon for it I, I can't believe that people are mad that andy reed took a running back 32nd overall and they're and they're like i'm not i'm not going to sit here and defend good teams doing bad things it's like this if, if this guy is a better version of brian westbrook in andy reed's offense it is well worth the 32nd overall pick well, you know, they didn't have a lot of holes. You know, I mean, you're not looking at a team that has to, you know, secondary could use some help. You're never going to, you know, overlook taking good offensive linemen or defensive linemen just to build. And if Chris Jones leaves, you know, they're, they could have addressed that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I, I always like the, the scenario and, and it played out in the division. If you could beat people over the head with a good offense, you may yeah. not win the Super Bowl, but you got a pretty good chance to make a good run. You know, I mean, look at the Packers last year. Their defense was, was better, but, uh, they couldn't stop the run. Um, you know, the Chiefs obviously were great. Uh, 
you keep you keep your defense off the field because you have long extended drives and 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 they're fresh. It covers up a lot of holes. So um, it it wasn't the biggest need because they bring in DeAndre Washington and again Damian Williams was was good. But you have a potential, like you said, for Brian Westbrook, for uh, Lashawn McCoy, for a uh, a Kareem Hunt in his rookie season. You would take that in the middle of the first round, if not a top ten pick. Yeah. When you look back on it, and so you know it's just. It's like, okay, you want to take the, the, the seventh best corner or the eighth best defensive lineman, you know, however it all shakes out. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you you're well, it, at the end of the first round for a reason because you're pretty good. The, well, the other thing, too, is that, and, like, this, I don't think this got enough love for the Chiefs who were talking about the draft. And, and this is a – look, it's, a, it's a, a, a thing that goes into every draft, including fantasy drafts. You don't want to be – you want to be on the front end of a run. You don't want to be on the back end of a run. Right. Well, the Chiefs took Edward Tiller at 32 – uh, over the next, let's see, Swift went 35, Taylor went 41, Akers went 52, Dobbins went 55. Then all of a sudden the Packers are on the board at 62 and the best available running back is AJ Dillon. Like that's, you know, that, that's like to me is the, the polar opposite of, of what happened with those two teams in the draft is, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs took over to there early, but he wasn't going to be there at 63 or 64 whenever they were picking. Uh, who, and- Sorry. No, you just, and then, you know, oh, well, trade, trade out of it. Well, where are they going to trade to? Because the other teams are obviously in the same situation. They don't want to, they don't want to give up those early second round picks either. Yeah. And I don't even know that having a fifth year option on a running back is a bad thing. Like that fifth year option, that running back at 32 overall is going to be cheap. You run them into the ground. Yeah. If, they, if they're the superstars of superstars, like what McCaffrey looks like, you pay him. Yeah. You pay Zeke. It's not the smartest thing to do, but at some point you got to, you know, bite the bullet and hope that these guys are, the generational players. But for the most part, get what you can out of them. Let somebody else over overpay and you move on. That's actually the argument for the McCaffrey contract too, that I think is works is if you pay, like you're paying him a lot now, but you're paying him during his good years. Right. So whatever, just go ahead and pay him instead of having to like let him play five or six years. And then you have to figure out if you have to pay him or not, because nobody's cold blooded enough to do the five or six years and cut him. If Gurley was healthy, nobody would sneeze at his contract. Yeah, that's right. You, you pay you paid Le'Veon after sitting out a year. It was dumb. It was a bad decision by the Jets, and Adam Gase is unfortunately dealing with it. He didn't want it, you know. Yeah. So, uh, th- those are the things you want to avoid. You want to get guys when they're on the up, as opposed to on the down. Uh, all right, who else? What other fits did you like? And, and all right, listen, DeAndre Swift to the to the to the Lions, thirty fifth overall. He is their second SEC running back taken in the second round in the last three years. Um, is Swift a loser here? Winner? Carry on Johnson an obvious loser? What do you think? Carry on's a loser. Um, I, I think with Swift, it wasn't the best destination because most likely there's going to be a coaching change at some point in Detroit. It's just the nature of Detroit. <laughs> um, and so what's the, the overall picture going to look like when he takes over? I do think he's better than carry on this year. I would take him significantly ahead of carry on, uh, just because Johnson has a hard time staying healthy. And so, you know, the hope would be Swift comes in and it's a 50 50 share at the start. Um, when you take a guy in the second round, that's a clear indication that he's going to play at that position, I, I would think, given what running backs are. So um, it, it wasn't my ideal scenario for him, but I think he does have a chance to win the job outright. If I'm ranking them for 2020, he's behind three other guys. He's behind uh, Edward Solaire, he's behind Taylor, and he's behind Cam Akers for me. I think Akers to the Rams is a little bit clearer path to him playing than it is for Swift. And carry on Johnson, by the way, only has two years left on his deal. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I mean, look, you're, you're buying these guys for multiple. I mean, like if you're buying this guy in a rookie dynasty draft, you're, you're hoping he's going to be good for five years. Swift might not see 
250 carries over the next two years, but you know, in that third year, he could end up, uh, he could end up blowing up. What about, uh, J.K. Dobbins? How do you think this plays out for, for the Baltimore Ravens? Cause I think some people are worried Dobbins won't be great out of the gate. I actually think he could play more than people think early. I mean, Ingram, I think if I saw the, the percentage correctly, only took about 40% of the total touches for their backfield right. because they played Gus Edwards and they played Justice. And now part of that was they were just steamrolling teams and some of the late game scenarios were a little bit different. Uh, there was a report on Wednesday out of ESPN Baltimore that, uh, I, I quote tweeted it. Um, it said, don't be surprised that Dobbins is, uh, Putting Ingram on the on the I, I'll, I'll see if I can find it while we're talking, but um, exactly what I said, but um, like what the story said, but um, you know I think Dobbins will play enough. You know I think he takes the Edwards role. I think he takes Justin Sill out of the picture. Um, it says Dobbins could end up being on the field just as much as Ingram by the end of the season. So you know if it's 40, 40, 20, you know for the the backfield breakup with you know maybe Edwards and Hill splitting the twenty or or one of those guys by themselves. Uh, but in twenty twenty one. He could be better than all of these guys. And that's speaking volumes because clearly, like I said, I'm very high on Edward Solaire and I think Jonathan Taylor is another guy that's going to be a superstar. But I mean, this Baltimore offense is young. Marquise Brown is young. Uh, the two receivers that they drafted obviously are young. There's not a lot of age. Al Boykin uh, is young. I mean, uh, right. Mark Lamar Andrews Jackson. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is young, you know, so that was actually the gist of the story from, uh, from, from Jamison Hensley. Is, uh, the, the, the headline is Sonic Youth, Ravens high scoring offense now built for present and future. Mark Ingram is really the only old player on that roster. He's going to be 10 years older than J.K. Dobbins. And remember last year, what was the storyline going into the playoffs for them? He popped his calf yep. in week 16, didn't play in week 17, and they thought, okay, he's got three weeks essentially to heal, which he did. But if that happens again in the middle of the season, J.K. Dobbins is going to be the lottery ticket for fantasy. So, um, he's a great, Mid to late round pick, you don't want to invest too heavily in him. But if he gets a chance to start, or if we see Ingram miss significant time, that's what happened to Miles Sanders last year. Jordan Howard had a shoulder injury, missed half the season, and Miles Sanders became a superstar. Yeah, uh, as uh, as Jameson Hensley, Hensley points out, the Ravens can now put a group of eleven players on the field that includes all homegrown talent and averages twenty three years old. That is ridiculous. Like they're just going to be. I mean, God. That is impressive. Insane. Yeah. It's like he as he points out, that sounds more like the age of LSU or Al- in Alabama versus yeah. like. No, it was, a, it was a good story. And, you know, the, the thing obviously jumped out to me fantasy wise was, was the Dobbins note. But I mean, there, there's a lot to like about that. that so offense. How, high would you, how high would you take Dobbins in a, in a, in a dynasty league? He, I would take him third. I think you go Edward Taylor one, uh, Taylor, Taylor two, because I think Taylor, Taylor has a much clearer path, not only playing this year, but, you know, Marlon Mack's going to be gone after this season. And, and then you can see just, you know, huge, huge upside. But, um, uh, I, I think you look at Dobbins for me, if you could wait it out, that's a problem though. You're picking third, your team's probably bad. You need immediate help. But, you know, if you're looking long term, I think Dobbins could just be great next year. And, and Taylor, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin to the Colts, obviously. I mean, I think it, it's, it's a very clear statement. They want to continue to run the ball. They should end up having Philip Rivers for two years, it would be my guess. Then they have Jacob Eason, who they hope can develop behind him. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, a free agent after this year as well. But, you know, Marlon, they're not re-signing Marlon Mack. They, they spent a second-round pick on Jonathan Taylor, so they do not have to worry about 
tagging or, or, or negotiating a deal with Marla Mack. They're just going to let him walk and, and move on to Taylor. Which they should, you know, and they can do that by week one. I mean, Taylor, Taylor yeah. is a, a supreme talent, uh, 6,000 yards at Wisconsin. You know, you worry about the fumbling, you worry about his pass catching because he had some drops, but I think Naheem Hines, your favorite player of all time, is <laughs> going to have an opportunity still to keep his role. Uh, right. the way I have it ranked in PPR is I, I didn't really move Hines. You know, I kind of just, I put Taylor almost in Mac's spot and just dropped Mac behind them both. Um, because Mac wasn't going to play on passing downs anyway. I don't think Hines' role changes at all. I think right. Like he's, he's, he's got so much upside as the, I don't want to use the same name because he was awesome last year, but Austin Eckler. Yeah. Um, what about the, uh, with some other sleepers? Um, I mean, is AJ Dillon a sleeper or do we just have to, it, it, that's a bad spot for, and it's not a bad spot for him. They want to run the ball, but it stinks that like, Aaron, is Aaron Jones a free agent too? Maybe his contract. Jones and Jamal Williams, I believe, are done after this year. So, uh, that kind of tells you what direction that they may be going. So Dylan absolutely has second round value in a, in a rookie only draft, late round value in a seasonal draft. My two favorite sleepers, and one probably is because I'm listening to the old man too much, but Josh Kelly in, <laughs> in, uh, for the Chargers, there is an opening, you know, and that's what you look for. Um, Without Melvin Gordon there, you have Justin Jackson, who's had a hard time staying healthy and really is probably just the guy. Yep. Um, you know, so no disrespect to him, but you know, I don't know if he's got superstar talent. I don't know if Kelly does either, but you know, there's an opportunity for him to play right away. And then you have, uh, Darrington Evans in Tennessee for me is another guy that I was high on coming into the draft process just as a, a late round pick. Derrick Henry's coming off 400 total touches last year. He's got the franchise tag on him. Uh, we'll see if they work out a long term deal, but. You know, if he goes down for whatever reason, we see these guys that have 350 plus no, touches. Magic number is 370 from Football Outsiders. I mean, like it is historically shown that if you have three, well, most most of it though is during the season. The you know, it, they don't usually tack on the playoffs in, in sure. their data, um, but still, big physical guy takes on a big punishment, coming off all that workload, and they have nothing behind him. You know, this was the this was the guy that they drafted. So. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're very, uh, intriguing, you know, round three prospects in a rookie only draft. How about, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn? Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, is the, is the sixth guy of the, you know, top five, um, or just outside the top five. That doesn't really make much sense. He's the sixth guy after the top five. <laughs> um, but he's, he's pushed himself into that conversation and, and you probably get some people that have, that will say he might be better than Akers or better than Swift in his situation or, you know, long term could be good. We just don't know, uh, you know, what the Bucks are going to do because Ronald Jones wasn't awful last year, despite what people think. He had over a thousand total yards. Uh, you know, does not work well in the passing game as we've seen, and you know, struggles uh, with pass blocking. More importantly, Vaughn did that very well in college. Um, you know, will he do that at the next level enough that we're, they'll trust him to protect Tom Brady? But um, just because Ronald Jones is just kind of the, you know, everybody's. Um, you know, stepping stone, I, I think there's an opportunity for him to be good. So in this draft that I keep referencing, I took Edward Tolaire in round two. I took Vaughn in round six. The one name of note that I took him over at running back was uh, Mark Ingram, and this was PPR. So uh, this, is a, this, is a redra- this is a redraft draft league. You took yeah. Edward Tolaire in the second round. I took Edward Tolaire at 15 overall, and I took um, I took Vaughn in the, in the sixth round, again, over um, over Mark Ingram. So I have him ranked just outside my top 24. I want to see how it plays out, but I would not be surprised if he's the best running back in Tampa Bay and maybe by week one. Okay. Uh, I know that you have suspended the draft that we're in right now. Uh, is that Adam Azer's fault? I'm in the draft room. No, it's uh, it's Dave Richards' fault if we're going to assign blame to somebody. Um, There's Dave. All right, he's back. Uh, it gives me great play. I, I, I was, I was all the, I had a panicked moment. Uh, anyone who 
follows me or Jamie on Twitter knows that I don't show up to drafts all the time. I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I was like, Oh my God, am I going to be late? And Jamie's going to call me out on my own podcast for being late to <laughs> draft. So I had to go flying in there. Uh, really quickly, let's touch on the tight ends. Uh, any, anybody of impact for you? Um, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. The one guy that I'm most intrigued in is, uh, the one who didn't get drafted but got signed as an undrafted free agent is Thaddeus Moss. Um, oh. Just because of the landing spot, Washington. Or NC State player. Uh, was he there before LSU? Yeah, he changed Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you hate him. Um, I think that he's got a chance to play. I mean, you know, Jeremy Sprinkle is the number one tight end in Washington right now. You know, so they don't have a they don't have a very robust depth chart, and so um, the fact that he didn't get drafted was a little surprising. I thought he'd be, you know, a, a day three pick, but still, um, you know, opportunity matters. And so if he can make the final roster and prove he's got some receiving chops, he'll get an opportunity there. And so he's the one for 2020 that probably intrigues me the most. But long term, I think you look at Cole Komet. Uh, Chicago's got Jimmy Graham. You know, we know what that's been like for the last couple of years. And so it was a weird signing to begin with. Um, I just think that, uh, uh, you know, the, the class is just not that overwhelming for this year. Okay. Uh, that's Jamie Eisenberg. At Jamie Eisenberg on Twitter, you can go listen to the Fantasy Football Today podcast, of course. And if you want fantasy football advice, Shot straight into your eyeballs every day at lunch. Go watch fantasy. Wait, you took you took Devonta Adams over Miles Sanders? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I was, I was gonna write something in chat. Um, <laughs> the uh, watch fantasy football today on CBS Sports HQ, noon to one every day. Is it gonna get how long? How long are they gonna keep you on the hook for this? Uh, we're still through the end of this week, and then I think uh, next week as well. And then I guess we'll just kind of play it by ear. All right. So you'll be doing it every day until July fourth, probably. <laughs> Uh, July 4th of 2021. That's right. All right, Jamie. Thanks, buddy. You got it, man. Thank you. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus. And for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.